listen to me oh yeah that's the title of a book that we are going to discuss today this is book talk and i'm your host anthony Murore. at book talk we get to have people come and talk about their books they come and give us insights into what they are passionate about give us a lesson or two inspires and is always interesting and today we have a great guest i i mean she's a great guest her name is known as lynn podra she's coming here to talk about her book a memoir that is known as listen to me but i don't want to give out much before she's here i'm just going to meet her and i welcome you to go with me to meet her and know what is in that listen to me let's go Hello, Lynn. Good morning, Anthony. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you for coming to the show. It's my pleasure. How are you doing? I'm great. I was jamming to the music. Okay, it's Friday great. the 13th. Mm. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's now, I, 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 you mentioned that, and I'm like, oh, I've always <laughs> Friday the 13th, and people don't like it. So, how come you're excited that it's Friday the 13th? <laughs> well, it's Friday. It's Friday. Fridays are always good. And I've I've been very lucky on Friday the 13th. So, like, what, what more could you ask for? It's beautiful outside. I have a wonderful host who has a great smile and makes me smile. I couldn't really ask for much more, could I? <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. Now you make me feel <laughs> even. <laughs> well, you made me feel welcome. Yeah, you're most welcome. And feel at home. This is your show. Uh, <laughs> be careful is... what you wish for. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna be careful. Now let let now you you say that is uh, shining outside, and and I don't have an idea where it is in that you are. In which part of the world are you? So I, at this moment, from the month of about the middle of November through May, I live in Florida. Mm -hmm. Even though we're getting a cold front, I only say that as a matter of fact, not because I'm complaining about the cold with the rest of the country that's really been struggling. But um, I look outside my window. It's a beautiful day. It's a little cool, but it's gorgeous outside. I've already been outside. Um, and my other home, is all the way out west in Vail, Colorado, and they have snow and the real cold. So I'm lucky. <laughs> you, you sure are lucky. You've, got, am choices. Lucky. Uh, you've got choices and uh, we all need uh, choices. Oh, we are always looking for choices. And when you have them, then you definitely are. Yep, I, yes. I agree, I agree. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm gonna learn a few things here and there 
uh, from you because I, I know you've got a lot of experience in many other things. So as in this episode, in this episode that we are going to talk about your book, uh, I am expectant. I, I want, I'm looking forward to come out of this episode an enlightened person. <laughs> I feel the pressure. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm you, the chair, so I feel the pressure. I feel the pressure. Okay. Here, <laughs> here we go. Now, you live in two places. Is that where you were born? Just, just No, I, I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. I grew up in Philadelphia. I, uh, I had a child. I remarried. I moved to New Jersey, the southern part of New Jersey. And then um, for 30 years, my oldest, my son, moved to Miami Beach, called and said, we're having a baby, married. And my husband said, we're moving to Florida. And my answer was, who's we? I didn't want to come here, but it was a wise decision. I love my grandchildren. They're near and dear to my heart. So hence why we're in Colorado in the summers, not mm. here. <laughs> that was the deal. That was the deal. Mm. Now, I love the fact that you tell us that you did not choose there. You you didn't you, you didn't even expect to go there, but then you've loved it. You you think that is a good choice. And in life, we find ourselves in places that we may not have chosen. Some of them not so good. But then when we look back, we appreciate the fact that we've been there and experienced that. And and I am thinking that that is what some of the things that we are going to learn from the book that we are going to be sharing today. I hope so. I, I really hope so. Um, you're right. I, Florida wasn't even in the top 100s of where I wanted to go to retire. I wanted to go to the Carolinas. I still had seasons. I love to hike. I love to climb. And so I love to climb trees. I thought, well, you know, we'll retire. We'll get the two big dogs I want. I'll have my hiking. We're near the ocean. I get to be in a boat. I get to climb trees. I'm a happy camper. And my husband said, but I want to be near the grandchildren. He was right. And, but I said to him, you hate the heat. You complain about summers all the time. And you're taking me to one of the hottest places we could possibly go. So he, you know, he finally got tired of me hearing going, I'm not going and you can't make me. I'm not going. Make me. He said, where do you want to go? I said, Bale, Colorado. It's very expensive in Bale. I thought there's no way we can afford to go there. But he hired a real estate agent who's turned out to be a very dear friend. They found us an adorable condo in the east part of Vail, and we could afford it. And we went to stay it, and I thought, oh, well, I guess I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> so I have the boast of, of, good, of good worlds. And you know what? I mean, uh, happiness is, is a choice, and, and, and I don't mean people being sad because something happens in their lives and it hurts their heart and they're sad. Sad is sad. There's nothing, you can't change that. Mm -hmm. But I truly believe that happy is a choice. You could choose to be miserable in situations mm -hmm. or you can choose to decide that there's going to be a rainbow and you're going to find it. I choose to look for the rainbow. It's mm -hmm. my personality. I could be miserable at times. I can be sad, I can be hurt, I can be angry, I can be all those wonderful, I don't want anybody in the audience to think, oh, my teeth hurt because she's like sugar-coated. No, <laughs> not at all. Sweet I am not, 
but I, um, I, I choose to find the humor and I choose to find the rainbow. It, I may not always find it, but that's the goal. And that's beautiful. And I love that. I love that. Now, I, I was curious from the word go, uh, you are so energetic. You are so <laughs> happy. And I was curious, how old could you be? And I, I guess you're retired, right? I think I am I retired. that. Now, what was your career? So my first career, I was a buyer. I was in retail. I was at an old store, Strawbridge's in Philadelphia. And then I guess most of your audience has heard of Bloomingdale's. I was a buyer for Bloomingdale's. Um, and I was a single mom. It, it was a lot of hours. I loved being a buyer. I loved retail. I loved merchandising. I loved buying. I loved all of it. But I also loved my son. And it was a big toll. Um, I was very involved in his daycare and in the, the you know, parent teacher organization, the PTO. I was president of the PTO and the woman there said to me, you know, you're so good with children in the classroom. Maybe you should want to go back and be a teacher. And I thought, oh my God, I'd rather have root canal without Novocaine. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. But the more I thought about it, I was having fun in his classroom. So I went back to school full time. I worked full time. I went back to school full time. I became a teacher. I became an educator. And for 32 years, 30 years, I was a teacher. I coached new teacher. I was a, I'm a certified teacher coach. And I became a principal in high mm. school. I became an administrator in high school because I teachers have enough to deal with. And the principal, that, that, that leader of the school should be the one that moves heaven and earth so that teachers can teach. Mm -hmm. And I was finding that the principals were sometimes the issue and that I wasn't okay with that. And so I went back and got my certification to become a principal administrator in a high school and um, so that my teachers wouldn't have a brick wall. I, I was their bulldozer for them mm. to be able to do what they needed to do to make my children successful. And that's mm. what I retired from. And mm. I still tutor. I still am in Florida and I still tutor very young children in reading. All, all year long, I tutor virtually in the classrooms here and then virtually in the summers because education is very important to me. And that's beautiful. And I always say that teachers are not appreciated enough. Now, come <laughs> to imagine that every gear of the society depends upon the teachers. I mean, yeah. that was is the teachers that taught me how to write, to read, and, and so many other things, how to dress and wear a tie like I'm wearing. The way I say, <laughs> and then they, they are not appreciated much enough. Well, part of that is sometimes they don't come off professionally like they should or could. So a funny story, if you don't mind, yeah. my husband is in healthcare. He's not a doctor, but he's in, in healthcare, the, the, the laws and rules of healthcare. My daughter-in-law is a healthcare attorney. My son helps with healthcare software to help streamline the computer issues in hospitals, doctor's offices. And my daughter is a surgeon in mm -hmm. texas so my son when he <clears throat> went into healthcare, called me and said mom you have to get with the program all of us now are in healthcare, 
they said to him, none of you could be where you are today if you didn't have an educator who helped you get there. That's <laughs> so I said, <laughs> I don't need to change any field yeah. at all. He said, okay. all right, point well taken. <laughs> point taken. Point, point well taken, right? That's, that's, that's the truth. And that's the truth. <laughs> Nobody could be where we are if we didn't have teachers with us. Okay. Now, let's go to the next gear. Uh, I won't ask you when did you start writing because I, I know you've always been writing, but when did you publish? Is this your first book that we are going to be discussing? Have you written other books? And when did you publish first? So I, 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 I say it all the time, writing, I, I always wrote, but I had to have an issue. I never woke up in the morning like a true author goes and says, I must write. I never journaled. I, I've learned to journal but I don't because to me, journals, the pressure of writing. I don't mm -hmm. write well under pressure. I write well once I have an issue. And, and once I have an issue, you can't stop me. If I, if I find something to do for a poem, poetry is it. I have tons of poetry all through COVID. Um, but this was, listen to me, how my Down syndrome brother uh, saved my life was my first novel was the first thing I wrote. I published it in August of 2021. Yes, 2021. Um, but I was inspired to write it because of my brother. Not, not because I thought, you know, um, if, you, if you don't mind how, how this book came to be, it's the, the preface in my book. Would you mind if I read this? Because that explains it all of what you asked me. Go ahead. Okay. So it says, to know my brother's name is Bruce, like my husband. We called him Brucey. To know Bruce was to love him. I hadn't gone looking to write a book. And although I love to write, especially poetry, writing can be arduous and was never cathartic for me. I never had to write a story to get it off my chest. But sometimes something or someone touches your heart, your deepest soul, and you just know that story needs to be told. For those who have lived with, loved, and lost handicapped siblings, I share your pain and revel in your joys. This was that story. So that's why I wrote it. He was, um, he was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer in July of 2019. He died that November. And that summer I was in Colorado, hiking the mountains, talking into my phone, anything I remember, stories, just stories about him, funny stories I remembered, funny stories other people remembered. I still wasn't really writing a book. The cathartic part, was hiking in the mountains, listening to music, singing, dancing with, you know, the nymphs in the trees so no one would see me, but, you know, crying, pouring my heart out, blah, 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 blah. And with those memories, I decided that I didn't ever want him forgotten because that's what tends to happen, you know, eventually. And so my commitment was to make sure that he, that family, the, the goal was to make sure family never forgot him. You know, he, um, he was handicapped. 
he was in a group home. And when I still lived in the southern part of New Jersey, I picked my brother up every Sunday and he spent Sundays with me every other Sunday for years. So the family was at my house to see him. Once I moved to Florida, who was going to guarantee that? My son was in Florida. My daughter was in medical school. She was moving to Texas. Who was going to go visit him? Who was going to keep that, that, that memory of him alive? And so that, that was the push of the book. And my nieces knew how committed I was to my brother. We're 13 years apart, but they didn't know the true story. And my parents were gone by this point. It was time to tell the story. And it, and it wasn't time to tell the story because I needed the world to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. I needed the world to know him. And the only way to know him was to share our story. My, my, my middle brother is in this story as well, but it's not his story. He's just part of some of the memories. But I, it wasn't my goal to tell his story that was for him to tell. Um, but it's a good thing that he's in there because he just passed away also. Mm. So I have both brothers now in my book. It's a good thing all the sorry, way around. Sorry for the, <laughs> sorry for the loss. Uh, and oh, I, I feel <laughs> oh, that's that wasn't my intent. But the point is, some people have told their memoirs because they need to get things off their chest. Mm. Some people tell their memoirs so the 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 world can understand why they do think to to excuse their behaviors. I didn't tell the book for either one of those things. It was very important when I, when I sent this and found my editor, it was very important. I think every single time she sent me edits, I answer, I, I went back and said to her, but it doesn't sound angry, right? She goes, no, it doesn't sound angry. It doesn't sound, there's no resentment, right? She goes, it doesn't sound resentful. It's written in a positive light. It doesn't make anybody in the story look bad, right? She goes, no, you did it. You did a good job. I understand how important that is to you because this was not, it was not to vindicate anything. It was not to be angry about anything. It was to tell the story and to, and for people to understand why he was so special. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but um, is 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 I, you you can still afford a laugh, a smile, and you I I appreciate the fact that you keep on living because there are some people after they've gone through such uh, issues, such challenges, they they can't rise up in the morning. They just they just can't keep going. But uh, you're right. You're right. Kept going. I'm, I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. okay. And you you tell of how he saved your life. How is that? So I guess we saved each other. Um, yes. I uh, so I was going to be thirteen. He was born in August. My middle brother David was going to be nine that October, and I was going to be thirteen that December. And so here he is. He's born Down syndrome. It was big. I found out by accident. My parents didn't tell us when he was first born. My father was telling my grandparents 
And I happened to overhear the conversation. I had no idea what they were talking about because, you know, my brother was 53 when he passed away. So, so he was born in 1967. In 1967, Downs was called Mongolian. He was Mongoloid. That was the word, Mongoloid. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they looked like they were Mongolian. They had the slanty eyes, different shoe skin. I had no mm-hmm. idea what it meant, but <laughs> I could tell it wasn't good. And then I went that next day to see my mom in the hospital. And she didn't know. So when I went to see the baby, so I saw her first and I was really, really excited. I had a baby brother. I I never really wanted a sister. (laughs) I didn't tell her that because she was determined to give me a sister since I already had a brother. And I thought, I'm okay with boys. (laughs) I was really good with that. But it's okay, mom, whatever you're excited about. Mm -hmm. But I could tell. I mean, you could see it right away. He had the eye characteristics, the long tongue. He was a month premature and he was so tiny. He was tiny and skinny. He was just so tiny. And, you know, I mean, it's not like I didn't have another brother who came home as a baby. So um, we're David and I are four years apart. But anyway, I knew and I told my father that I knew and there was no coddling. My parents were destroyed. They were destroyed. It was, it was watching devastation right in front of my eyes. Um, And so my mom stayed a little longer. And when she came home, she didn't call my brother and I in to tell us together that our brother was mentally handicapped. So she didn't know that I knew. She called us in separately. She called my brother in first, told him, and then, you know, he comes back out. He says to me, it's your turn. He had no reaction, David, because he was nine years old. Mm-hmm. Called in and she says to me, he's whatever he is, and we're giving him away. We're putting him in an institution. He's mm-hmm. not coming home. They told me the name of the institution, which was in Philadelphia. I'm not even going to manage the institution. It's in the book. And I went to my Britannic Encyclopedia. I looked up the institution. I can't describe to you the pictures that they had in there. It still haunts me. They were horrible. I came back and I said to her, I wouldn't put a dog here. And my brother's not going there either. And I packed up my other brother and I called my grandmother and I said, we're coming to stay with you. And she said, what's going on? How is that happening? She was great. And I told her and she rallied the troops. She got a hold of my other grandparents and they came up with a, a way to come over and help my mom every day with that baby, but they didn't give him away. Now, all before Brucey, I love animals. I love all animals, wild animals, big, you name the animal. Mm-hmm. I love that animal. More at the top of the chain, some at the bottom of the chain, but no less love. And I was determined to be a veterinarian. I was gonna be the voice of animals that people did not take good care of, mm-hmm. okay? So Brucey came, I realized he needed the advocate. I didn't know how I was gonna advocate for him, but I already kept him out of an institution. And so the goal now was not necessarily, I was gonna be a voice, just a voice for a different species. And, you know, I was always the advocate for David. I always stood up to my father if he got angry but I never stood up for me. And that's the voice that I learned to develop was the voice for me. That's what I mean by he saved my life. So I, I learned how to take care of an us because my parents couldn't. 
you know, I mean, they just couldn't. It's not that they wouldn't. It's not that they didn't want to. No parent wakes up in the morning and says, ooh, how can I have a child that will devastate the family does that? It's frightening. Yeah. And when I went into mm. education, I saw that. I, I, it, it enabled me to help parents whose children were diagnosed with special needs, who couldn't read, who didn't speak, who were autistic, who were Downs. I, I had a Down syndrome little boy in my fourth grade classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was not a special ed teacher, but I was good with children who needed different kind of help because I had the patience to do it. He taught me how to do that. You know, children don't know lack of hope. Mm -hmm. All right, we don't know that. Mm -hmm. So David and I, you know, whatever Brucey needed, we, we, you know, there's parents know the concept of patterning where you set up blocks and you make a baby move their legs and move their hands. Well, we didn't know when he was supposed to talk. We just knew he was going to talk and we didn't know when he was supposed to walk and we didn't know when he was, it didn't matter. Mm. It mattered to us that he was a lot of fun. He was a joy. We had a great time playing with him and we were going to teach him how to do all those things. We were going to, he was the baby brother. I already had a baby brother. Now my middle brother was going to have a baby to help him be a big brother as well. You know, I had the pleasure of the two. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, that's who we were with Bruce. We, we took joy in everything he accomplished because we didn't have, we didn't care when he did it. We only cared that he did it. And, and I, you know, I, 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 I often stood back and, um, you know, I, I felt bad for my parents who couldn't appreciate the gift the two of us, David and I, could offer mm -hmm. because they were so immersed in the pain. In the mm. pain. So, but, and that's what Brucey did. I mean, he opened up the world of education that I may never have learned to influence, you know, it was... I never wanted to go into it, but once I was in it, I realized what could be accomplished and, and how it became a passion. And there's no less passion for animals. You know, once I retired, I got certified to be a dog trainer. Mm -hmm. I volunteer I volunteer at the dog shelter. Mm -hmm. You know, so I still love dogs. I, res I rescued greyhounds. So I didn't love animals any less. I just, like I said, I just committed to a different species that has just given me back so much more. You know, mm -hmm. there is a joy in having a child run up, give you a hug and say, wow, I get it. <laughs> I love you, I get it. Or mm -hmm. my high schoolers, my high schoolers who, you know, I walked in and um, I had to have cataract surgery so I couldn't wear eye makeup. Okay. They walked in and they were very upset. Mrs. P, hey, What's going on? Where's the eye makeup? Are you sick? Are you not well? Do you need us? What do we need to do? Panic struck. That's commitment and love that you can't pay for. Mm. So that's that's the life that I inherited because of him. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. So it's quite a story. For those who are joining us now, or even if you get to listen to this after we are through with the live broadcast, we appreciate you for listening. And uh, here we have someone who's greeting us. Hey, Yosemite, uh, Oguvu. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Uh, we, Hi, we... how are you? Thank you. 
Yes, and we hope that you are enjoying this show and uh, you are going to go and get the book. Now, whom would you advise? Who would you like uh, to get this book, to read it? Uh, you know, that's a great, it's such a good question. Um, my Some of my teachers in my high school when I retired read the book and thought it's it's really good for teachers to understand the concept of how to look at children in their classroom, not as a handicap, mm -hmm. think about it differently. And so I would say parents, coaches, you know, Down syndrome is a defined learning disability. Mm -hmm. Autism is a defined learning disability, but there are such levels. How do you know? Everybody learns differently. They're not labeled. It's a label. We give them a label because human beings have to label everything. You know, this mm. is red. This is blue. It can't just be a color. And that's okay. But coaches understand. Listen, anybody who watches a game of football, if you're not seeing different levels of play and different levels of learning, not one quarterback learns the same way. Mm. Okay? There are kids that struggle as readers. They're not disabled. They just don't comprehend and you have to find the way to reach them. We all learn differently. You have people that read directions and get it immediately. You have people that have to see something and never have to read a thing. There, we all, and, and just because it may take me 30 seconds to learn something and you 45 seconds to learn it, doesn't mean you can't learn it. Mm. Everybody can learn something. We all have a level. Can we learn everything all at the same time? Not necessarily. You know, mm -hmm. my husband is beyond brilliant in finance, brilliant in mm -hmm. math, finance, problem solving. Don't ask him to put anything together. His eyes glaze over. He panics. He could probably figure it out. But we all know our weaknesses. And then we freeze. And then we don't want to do it anymore because we're afraid. We're afraid. Mm. Somebody made us feel uncomfortable as opposed to saying, it's okay. What's the worst thing in the world that can happen is oh, you have to ask somebody else to help you. Oh no. <laughs> you know, I don't know any office. I don't know any company that asks anybody to brainstorm alone ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because Zoom and Restream and Google team and Microsoft Teams could never exist if we all did everything by ourselves. Yeah. It's nice to be independent. It's a great feeling. But who does that? How much fun is that? You know, it's more fun. That's why there are book clubs. Yeah. That's why there's math clubs. We need that. And so mm -hmm. there is there's nothing wrong with a flexibility to respect the learning. And so I think that's what this book helps you get. Mm -hmm. At A, there's nothing wrong with a handicap. It's, yeah. it's, again, it's a, it's, it's a label that we all have to look at the way different people learn. Mm. Hence, listen to me. That was my brother's main phrase. Because of Down syndrome and their big tongue, it's hard to understand people with Downs at that level. There are other people. Listen, there's a gentleman that's running for a political office in Peru. He's Downs. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. They can do many different things. They're in law offices. They've been on television. They can learn, obviously it's, it's different levels. Mm. Um, but when he spoke and you'd say to him, I don't know what you mean, or I don't know what you said, he would say to me, listen to me. It was very important for him that people looked at him and listened. And I mm. always said to him, I am listening. You need to speak slower. I do not understand what you said. I, I'm listening. Say it slower. Help me. Help me understand. So mm. he'd go, he'd roll his eyes like, you know, I was the issue. And mm. then he'd go and repeat himself. But that was his mainstay. And that's the point. Everybody wants to be heard. Mm. You just have to listen differently. Mm. So, yeah. I, so it's for coaches, teachers, parents, anybody that is struggling with a child that learns differently there's a light at the end of our rain of our tunnel and we found the rainbow mm. the three of us found that rainbow together yeah. together yeah, exactly yeah. exactly together. we are here for one another and uh we help one another move right. uh, along the way in this journey we encourage one another lift one another right. be there for each other now this book has been there for a year and something now mm -hmm. having been published in uh, august uh, 21 now and i know it's been on a journey of its own <laughs> and uh, done a few things been recognized in some places can you tell us how the general public has received it and uh, what can i show it so far yeah sure so, so here's here's the book and um it's got a gold label on it. It was recognized. It won gold at the uh, Nonfiction Authors Association. Um, it was a, an amazing surprise. I did not realize that the book had been submitted. And um, it, it it takes months to do that. And I, I got a letter telling me that my, my book won gold. And I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. It was an amazing, a wonderful gift, a wonderful surprise. And um, so I, I'm very proud of this book. It it uh, has dialogue. Um, when it was first published, it, I had an interview and somebody said to me, did you really write this? I said, I, I did. Yes. He said, I loved the dialogue. He said, your brother it's funny, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it, listen, it has sad moments in the book. It's a sad mm -hmm. story, but it's a funny story. It's, it's, you, it's a laugh out loud story. There are conversations in this story that are hilarious mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> it's honest dialogue. It's, it's words my brother and I shared, or he shared with other people or, you know, shared with other people of which I was privy to be with the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that was also recognized is that um, it's good dialogue because it's honest. The dialogue mm -hmm. is honest. It's, um, mm -hmm. and it's told chapter form because people needed that, but in memory of stories within the chapters. So, you're not stuck with a chapter. You don't. You can open the book at any place mm -hmm. and read a memory and get it. You don't have to go, oh, I don't like the beginning. I'm going to go to, I know I do this. I don't like the beginning. I'm going to the end. And if the end's worth my while, then I'll read a middle. It's not that kind of book. So mm -hmm. it's in, it was intentional to be able to have people 
just go to it, read through it if they want to, or find different stories of ups and downs and just enjoy those stories that can be shared by themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I noted that it's written in chapters, chapter one, two, three, four, five. But then there are two chapters that don't have a number. One is influence, the other is photo album. Why? Right. Um, influence is not a chapter, it's a run through. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not a segmented of time. So okay. within the chapters, there are dates. Mm -hmm. That's the memories of dates. Influence is influence from the minute he was born to the minute he died. Okay. There's influence in everybody's lives, whoever met him. Mm. And the other one, I don't know, you tell me why you think. It's a good question. And people have asked and have given me other ideas. So it, it was intentional but it, it was an accident. It was an intentional accident. It <laughs> happened after the fact when it was all done being edited and we came back and the team that helped me put this together said, Hmm. And I said, me too. That's a, Hmm. And let's get, let's see what people respond to that. And that's where we left it to see what people responded to it. Cause I, it didn't, chaptering it didn't work. I know chaptering is not a word, but chaptering it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so you're another one who's asked. Nobody yeah. ever asked about influence, but they did ask about that. Now, the other one will be the photo album that will make me curious to go and see if there are photos of you and him younger. For in the book. In the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. That's Black and white photos of us in the book. Oh, yeah. So that's why it's not the uh, a chapter. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the middle of the book, so we didn't wait until the end. Okay. And there are two pictures of him that are 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 in a chapter because mm -hmm. they were just too cute. They were just really really cute pictures that if you looked at the picture, you you you'd want to read you'd want to read that part. So mm -hmm. just. Mm -hmm. Imagining it didn't do it justice, but people have said to me, we've read this and we're so sorry we never got to meet your brother and oh, this would make such a good TV movie. And I oh. say to them, well, keep those, keep those responses coming. Maybe somebody will want to do that. You never know. You never know. Never know. You never know. Uh, someone listening to us here could be connected. Maybe. Someone could be someone. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. 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 Yeah, this is Book Talk, and we have been here having a good time. And yeah, we we might have shed a tear uh, for the losses, but then okay, just just really, okay. Really, really, now Lynn tells us that in the book there is laughter, there is also the sad moments, and that's life. That's life. Mm -hmm. We we keep on living life. Mm -hmm. um, you've heard all about it. This is the book. Listen to me. How My Down Syndrome uh, Brother Saved My Life, from Lynn Podrat. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, we are coming now to the end of the show when we are going to sign off. Uh, it's been a great time having you in this show. We appreciate you Thank taking you. the time to be here. I had a wonderful, it's a wonderful experience. Anthony, you're delightful to be with. Thank you.
thank you too. I really appreciate uh, that feedback. It, it's it's good to get a feedback uh, from an educator. Uh, when my teacher, <laughs> when my teacher Anthony, you've done some good work. I I say I I told you before. I'll say it again. I I have been very blessed. Uh, I I say thank you every day, every day, no matter what. Yeah, it's good. Every day, it's important. So before we go. I would like you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember. Which are they, Lynn? Few words you should remember. Okay. No one's going to really want to hear this, but I'm telling you right now enjoy the journey. It's a journey. Enjoy it. Mm. I have, have a charm on my bracelet, and that's what it says enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. So says Lynn Podrat. <laughs> yeah, just go and, and enjoy the journey every way. In the every world. minute of it. In the bad times, learn to face them and enjoy the journey. That's right. This has been Book Talk. I've been your host, Anthony Murore. And our guest today was Lynn Podrat. Our book was Listen to Me, How the, My Down Syndrome Brother Saved My Life. And uh, we are going. We are saying. Bye for now. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.